all you have. You are now tuned in to Marcus Reyes. We just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darvetta has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's happening, Far, Far Away family? Welcome to Star Wars Audio Archive. So how's everyone doing today? I hope everything is going well on your side of the galaxy. Nothing new going on out here in Outer Rim. Just patiently waiting for tomorrow's episode of The Bad Batch. I swear that these weeks are getting slower and slower. Or I'm just getting older and older. Also, just a quick reminder, we had a watch party over on Lightsaber Radio this past Sunday. We watched The Phantom Menace, and it was so much fun. To watch and discuss the movie with other Star Wars fans, it completely changes the viewing experience. And I'm not talking about one of those ones that you, everyone has to sync their movie up together and then watch it. The way we got it set up is everyone is watching the movie with us on screen, and it was so much fun. We will be going through all the Star Wars movies over the next year. Once a month on whatever Sunday we have time, I will let you guys know what day that we're doing it. So if you wanna come watch Star Wars with us, you can. We would love for you to join us. If you want to check out our previous ones, go over to Swaycast Network's website and look under the event tab. You can watch it there. The link is in the show notes. Okay, what do we got for news today? The new Mandalorian teaser trailer dropped last night, and it was aired during Monday night's football game between the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. And it offered a Mando-filled first look at some of the new season three footage. It included even a greater number of Mandalorians. Some of you will be disappointed if they played it during a football game as you're not fans of the sport. But don't sweat this. You can always go on YouTube and watch it if you haven't had a chance to watch it. Because if the first two seasons proved anything, is that we can expect some huge surprises. And we do hope that more of Grogu's past will be explored, including who saved him from the Jedi Temple. We are also hoping to learn what cloning operation Gideon was working on, why he needed the child for his mystery plan, and whether that all ties into Supreme Leader Snoke's creation and the rise of the First Order. While the series synopsis states, once a lone bounty hunter, Din Djarin has reunited with Grogu. Meanwhile, the New Republic struggles to lead the galaxy away from his dark history. The Mandalorian will cross paths with old allies and make new enemies as he and Grogu continue their journey together. What that journey is still eludes us. We can all agree that we know Din is trying to redeem himself for taking off his helmet, something that is sacred to the Mandalorian cult that he belongs to. But none of these trailers have really revealed too much, which is a good thing in my opinion. I want to be surprised when I watch the episode, but I think whatever happens, it will be nice to see Din and Grogu back on the TV. The Mandalorian returns to Disney Plus for its third season on March 1st, and it can't get here fast enough for me. Okay, I haven't done the fun fact for a couple episodes, and I've gotten some emails about it, so I wanted to elaborate on why that is. I try to save them for the short parts of the book. Some of the chapters are less than 10 minutes long, so to give you a longer episode to listen to, I have to save them for those episodes. Okay, so now we got all that stuff out of the way, let's get back to Brotherhood. Because when we left off last week, Anakin, Mill, and R2 were on their way to save Obi-Wan. So let's see what's happening now. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Everything slowed around Obi-Wan. A trick of the Force to accelerate the way his mind processed the situation. He blinked, his eyes closed for a fraction of a second. Yet enough for thoughts to ripple through his mind as he considered the options before him. Six guards approached, each with standard rifles, except Rug, who apparently was allowed to use her configurable sniper rifle, the barrel withdrawn into a shorter range module for closer combat. Kitar and Ventress held their positions, the young Namordian still with Anakin's comlink and the incriminating datapad. 
The officials, both in front of him and in the audience behind him, stayed seated, though all gave off a palpable tension. His lightsaber hung on a guard's belt behind him. That part didn't bother him. The rest... Given all of his training with both the lightsaber and the force, and really, the two represented a single intertwined flow, a pure combat situation here would not be that difficult. And the situation played right into one of his favorite fighting techniques. There'd been worse, and Obi-Wan figured that even this collective group of guards failed to match the threat of, say, the bounty hunter Jango Fett, with his arsenal of Mandalorian weapons and tools. Rook had specialized training, of course. The rest, though? Just guards. Should it come to violence, he felt confident in his abilities. But he had a different goal than simply defeating an opponent. His entire purpose here was to clear the Republic's name and lobby the Trade Federation away from neutrality. Perhaps not into complete alignment with the Republic, but at least to a level where economic sanctions against the Separatists were on the table. Such a discussion had already been a long shot, and the recent revelations made it far more challenging. Using his lightsaber to deal with guards would make it impossible. And then there was Ventress. Was she the one with the lightsabers? How did she factor into all of this? Had it just been the guards, Obi-Wan might have decided to simply put his hands up, relinquish his lightsaber, and strategize a plan from that. But given the unknown variable of someone, Ventress or not, capable of wielding such a specialized weapon, that raised far too many questions to surrender on the spot. Any threat with lightsaber skills meant that protecting his lightsaber was his top non-diplomatic priority. And his only option here was to do his best at imitating Anakin Skywalker. He needed to improvise. Obi-Wan opened his eyes, each of his moves playing out with specific purpose. First, he called his lightsaber to his hand, its blue blade erupting from the hilt. As expected, the guards readied their rifles. Next, he waited. Someone had to take the first shot and only seconds passed before it came. Not from one of the guards, and definitely not from Rug. The first shot came from Kitar, who had dropped the devices and drawn his pistol. His eyes flared as the bolt exploded out of the gun, a bright red that only intensified the color of his eyes. That was all Obi-Wan needed. Next, he shifted the angle of his lightsaber tilting it slightly in anticipation. With the bolt less than a meter away, his arms tensed, muscles coiling up before releasing with a small and direct push forward. The bolt impacted the lightsaber, a pressure driving against the weapon before kinetically redirected. A confluence of velocity and angle that led the burst of energy into an entirely new direction. The bolt soared through the room, flying between the helmets of two guards to directly impact the control panel of the back door. It tore through the panel's outer covering and circuitry, ending with a brilliant spray of sparks. A contained sprinkle of fireworks that petered back into glowing debris falling to the floor. The door slid open, 
its locking mechanism destroyed. Two of the guards turned to face the now open exit. And while Rue kept her rifle trained on Obi-Wan, she didn't fire. Keetar took several more shots, which Obi-Wan deflected into the safest areas possible. The immaculate masonry of the room would have to be collateral damage here. Ventress, though, still didn't move. Obi-Wan gave himself to the Force, and his body rode the ensuing wave, legs and arms moving infinitely faster than their normal pace. He ran and vaulted over the front podiums and landed in motion before slipping between the guards. And though each of them focused on the spot where he used to be, even Rook, Obi-Wan thought he caught the corner of Ventress's eye. A simple tracking glance as he crossed the door threshold. Halfway down the hall, he returned to normal speed, still moving at an athletic pace, but now clear of immediate danger. The first part of his ad hoc plan was met. He'd escaped the room to safety without hurting anyone. But now... Go, go, go! A voice cried out. It might have been Kitar, though Obi-Wan wasn't sure. In fact, he wasn't sure where to actually go. Curious bystanders started to peer down the hallway. Office workers and government employees of all kinds. He ran at normal speed. Attentive to the way overexertion of the Force's physical gifts might affect anything from strength to coordination. The way the Force surrounded him as he moved informed his decisions and calculations. An extra burst down the long haul was feasible, but doing so might briefly drain him. No, right now, he needed to rely on his own body, at least until an opportunity presented itself. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. I'm on the target, another voice yelled. That one was distinctive. Stand back. Give me a clear shot. Rug, which Obi-Wan guessed meant she'd switched her rifle to sniper mode and zeroed it in on him. He stretched out with the force one more time, not for any physical gifts of strength or speed, but to slow the world down and appraise the situation. Directly in front of him, Civilians stood in the hallway, many shrinking back from the reality of the scene. Around him was a tunnel. The tunnel may have had elegant carvings in the walls, lines of shiny minerals embedded into subtle carvings amid the bleached white stone. But regardless of aesthetics, the hallway remained nothing but a tunnel with a start and an end. To his right, though, were a series of windows open to overlook the massive courtyard Minister Ayamat called the Grand Theater of Judgment, an open-air arena of sorts. But more important, adjacent to it, several more nondescript buildings bothered to the complex, places less exposed to public view. Those buildings had flat ledges and rooftops between the spires and slopes of Katanaimodia's architecture. 
That would help. Getting there required a precise leap at an exact angle to grip onto the buildings hanging down from the arch above. Something that tapped into the way the force augmented a body's natural ability to leap. He considered the current placement of all the beings around him, from the guards behind to the civilians in front. A force-assisted burst of speed right now might leave his body exhausted, unable to tap into what he needed to scale such heights. However, Rug had her sniper rifle trained on him, and Obi-Wan was pretty sure that as someone who'd earned her grizzled weariness and commando armor, she didn't miss her shots. That left a choice. Trust his body's capabilities under duress, or trust Rug. Time snapped back into reality, and he dashed forward, lightsaber blade drawn back into its hilt, and took one quick glance back. While Rug had one eye in her scope, the other eye shut for focus, he sensed her reactions, her purpose, her inner moral compass. There was no conflict in Rug. She knew exactly what she was doing. Obi-Wan trusted that her certainty came from the right place. Shoot the Jedi! Kitar screamed, his voice cracking. Shoot him now! Blaster bolts rang out, though without the boom of a sniper rifle. Obi-Wan knew the fire came from the muzzle of a pistol, not Rug's specialized weapon. Stand down, Kitar! Rug yelled. There are civilians in the way! About twenty paces remained until he reached the open window. Nineteen. Eighteen. Seventeen. Each step came with precise measurements, an internal calculation both physically to get him there and mentally gambling on Rug's decision. I've got a line of sight, she said, her voice projecting far enough for Obi-Wan to hear everything. Ten, nine, eight. Obi-Wan took one last look behind him. The force rippled around him, and Obi-Wan put his faith in it. And in Rug. Five, four, three. Obi-Wan's angle shifted enough to prepare his body to leap. He felt the force surrounding him like an ocean current, and also powering the physical response within the fibers of his muscles. The sniper rifle erupted, a fraction of a second later than it should have. At least if Rook had intended on killing her target. Instead, her extra breath gave Obi-Wan the exact amount of time he needed to leap out the large open window the rifle bolt whizzing right below his feet as he ascended. No! As the force pushed Obi-Wan's flight, Kitar's voice trailed him. Obi-Wan turned his head just briefly enough to make eye contact with the guard. And Ventress, who for whatever reason moved at a casual pace behind, he soared upward gripping onto an exhaust pipe below the rounded glass dome of a restaurant, shocking the patrons looking down over Zara's governmental district. He burst forward, clinging to holds and ledges from the hanging buildings until he made it over the more accessible rooftops of the capital. His hands let go and he dropped, Cato Neimordius fog making his hair and beard damp. 
His boots landed on the ledge of a building, and a second jump took him to the roof. Blaster bolts came from the direction of the government offices, the fire whizzing past him in scattered angles. Figuring out who shot at him and whether Ventress was involved required the luxury of time, something he didn't have thanks to a fleet of Seeker remotes rising to his elevation. They propelled forward, and Obi-Wan set out on foot again, switching from Anakin's improvisation to his own specialty. He needed a plan. Okay, okay, now that was a good chapter. It only took 30 chapters to get here, but what can we do? The way Obi-Wan viewed the situation and did what was needed to be done to get away was good. There was like 10 minutes of straight action in this part, and I have to give props to Theodore. The music and the sound effects that he put in right here, it matched the scenes perfectly. I don't know if he used the score from the original or if he did it himself, but they lined up perfectly, and I loved that it left you anticipating what was going to happen next. That's how you know something is good, when you hear it and you can visualize everything that has happened. Now I'm super excited to hear the next part, but sadly we'll have to wait till next week. For now, we have to get to the quota this week. And since yesterday we celebrated Martin Luther King Jr., I thought what better way to honor the man to change the world than look at one of his quotes that has always inspired me. And this is what he said, there is no gain without struggle. That's pretty strong right there. That's a pretty strong quote. Despite the many obstacles that could come your way, you can positively use these struggles to reach your goals. Challenges can be useful for you if you face them correctly, because it will be a reward when you overcome them. It is an integral part of the journey. But there is another reason why this quote resonates with me so much. It is because we see it every day in our regular lives. We see the big buff guy on TV, and we know that that guy put in hours in the gym, and he had to struggle to look that good. We see it in Major League Sports. We know that those people had to practice for hours to get that good. We see it in actors when they weren't that good in the beginning of their careers, but as their careers progressed, they got better. And we see it in children from them taking their very first steps to adapting to this giant world. We see it in our everyday lives. Even someone like Elon Musk has to struggle. He bought Twitter hoping to make a change for the better. Now he has to struggle with the ridicule he is getting every day. There is struggle in every part of our lives. But the great part is the struggle is only a means to an end because once you have reached your goal, the struggle seems all worth it. You look back at the hardest parts of the journey and it seems like it was just a speed bump in the road. I promise you, once you have reached your goals, all them hardships and struggles it took to get there will be so worth the outcome. Okay, that's all I have for today. Join us next week as we continue with Star Wars Brotherhood Part 31. We hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Audio Archives. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shed and is a production of Pick Film Media and was distributed by Sway Cast Networks. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel. Star Wars Brotherhood was read to you by Jason O'Dagan. Sound designed by Theodore Thompson. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs>